It's time to grasp the Word. Hear, read, memorize, meditate, and study your Bible with us. The theme of GRASP 2022 is Worship and Wisdom from the Word. Thank you for joining our Psalm of the Month podcast. We invite you to let the Psalms raise your worship from an experience to a lifestyle. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Grasping the Word. I'm here with Pastor Mark Parker. I'm Andrew Parker. We're going to be talking about our Psalm of the Month, um, Psalm 8. And our purpose for looking at this psalm is to grasp enough to advance our worship. Now, we we don't want to get real deep into this psalm here in this podcast because our purpose is is, is to inspire more than to educate. The eighth psalm clearly shows the excellence or majesty and glory of God above the heavens and the on earth. Yet this all-powerful God, creator, all-knowing ruler and eternal God is mindful of man. We're going to look at this psalm here at this time. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Well, Andrew, I, of course, uh, see in this psalm that God's attention is so focused on humanity you find that he is in here he is a he becomes a god of action he hears and he is mindful and he visits and he makes and he gives dominion of man and he puts some things into the work of the hands of man but clearly it is the lord is the subject and yet the psalmist realizes that the Lord's attention is centered upon man. And for example, in verse 2, God's attention is upon the infant child and even the cries of the child. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. Now, when we look at this, uh, some some in the world may view a baby as insignificant. But God does not. David's perception of the value that God places upon the human baby is even more evident in the 139th Psalm. It's a beautiful Psalm, but we're going to look just at a couple of verses that I'd like to draw your attention to out of Psalm 139. And I think we have a slide for that. 
where here David emphasized that God puts his attention and care upon a child even before it is born. Uh, verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And so as a result here, David, the same one that wrote Psalm 8, says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Now, so here we see that God's attention is upon not just a child, but actually infants, those who are still feeding from their mother or totally dependent upon uh, others for their strength and, and life. And yet God, according to this uh, eight Psalm second verse, he said, out of the mouth and babes and sucklings hast thou ordered strength. And so God has, and that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Even the weakest of men, God uses to overcome the enemy. And so God places great value on those children, even very small children. Yes, the, the gospel writer Mark told of children being brought to Jesus and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Yes. Um, he writes in Mark chapter 10, verse 14 through 16. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up into his arms and laid his hands upon them and blessed them. So here, when we look at infants, we see they are the weakest of mortal men, the most dependent of all people, except maybe the very old that are near death. Nevertheless, the psalmist recognized that the great God of heaven values them to such an extent that he gives them great concern and offers even his protection toward them. That shows the very unique favor of God toward humanity. In the ESV version of the Bible, Psalm 8, verse 3 through 4, it says, When I look up at the heavens which your fingers made, and see the moon and stars which you set in place, of what importance is the human race that you should notice them? Of what importance is mankind that you should pay attention to them? David, looking at the heavens which God made, thought, truly God has more important things to do than to keep his eyes and hand on me. What is, what is man that thou art mindful of? And look at the place of prominence, according to this psalm, that, that God gave to man even from the time of creation. It says he made him just a little lower than the angels. Now, interesting enough, the word that is used for angels here is actually Elohim, which sometimes is used for God himself. And it's a rulership, it's dominion, but it's translated angels. But just think about that, that of all the created things, God chose to make man just, and it says a little lower than the angels. Now, this is even quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews. But think about that. Man is not lower than the stars as far as 
in God's eyes and value. They are not lower than the trees and the beasts of the field or the birds of the air. Man is above them. They're just a little lower than the angels. And of all the material things that are created by God, God chose man to breathe in his nostrils and make man become a living soul. Now, where all physical things, all matter that was created by God, um, we, we, even though it was created by God, none of mat matter was not, is not eternal. It's not made to be eternal. In fact, Murphy's second law of thermodynamics tells us that uh, matter has the propensity to decay, left unattended. But God made it possible, and in fact, not only possible, he, he deemed it so, that a portion of man would last for eternity, and that's the soul of man. And of course, Apostle Paul wrote about it to the Corinthians. He said, though our outward man perish, yet is the inward man renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I can just say there's more to man than meets the human eye because there's an eternal aspect that God really places value on. Jesus, God manifested in the flesh. He reflected God's view of mankind above the other creatures of God. For instance, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus asked, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And then Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 11 through 12, He said, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And I think that on that second Matthew chapter 12, it was they had brought a man with a withered hand to the synagogue to tempt Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. Jesus was showing their hypocrisy. He was showing how different that they were than God because God valued man more than sheep. And obviously he said sparrows in the previous verse that you read. To think that this majestic and glorious and excellent God cares for the people to the extent that the noise of a child catches God's attention. It's like praise to him. And he also gives us an open invitation to talk to him in prayer. God is so concerned about every dimension of our lives, our physical, emotional, and our spiritual needs that truly when the psalmist asked, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It seemed to be uh, something that awestruck him to think that this great God who made all things could give such care and attention and value to man who is not the biggest of creatures, but yet God gave us a soul that was eternal. So God places extreme value upon us all. Yes, enough enough that he laid down his life for us. Um, 
by his crucifixion on the cross. Right. First John three sixteen. So in the last verse of Psalm eight, in the in the English Standard Version, O Lord, our sovereign master, how magnificent is your reputation throughout the earth. You reveal your majesty in the heavens above. There's a there's a man who wrote a commentary on Psalms, Derek Kidner, uh, who made this comment about this eighth Psalm that I find quite interesting and one of the reasons why it's a part of our grasp of verses of 2022. Mr. Kidner said, this Psalm, speaking of Psalm 8, is an unsurpassed example of what a hymn should be celebrating as it does the glory and grace of God, rehearsing who he is and what he has done and relating us and our world to him, all with a masterly economy of words and in a spirit of mingled joy and awe. The range of thought takes us not only above the heavens in verse one and back to the beginning in verses three, six, seven, and eight, but as the New Testament points out, it takes on us on to the very end. All right, we're going to look at eight ways or ways that Psalm 8 should shape our lives. First of all, um, we should observe God through His creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Yeah. And then Psalm 8.3 says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. I mean, that's we need to observe God. That's one way that we, we know who He is through His creation that He's made. Well, part of this revelation in Psalm 8 that David got of the value of man, evidently he said it all began when he was considering the heavens. Mm -hmm. And it reminded him of the greatness of God and then he looked at the heavens as if man seemed insignificant in, in, in the view of God's massive universe, which David didn't know anything about the universe like we know now with our powerful telescopes. And they're always finding something new in space. He couldn't imagine. He could just go on what his eye could see and still thought man was insignificant. If anything, what we've learned in, in uh, our space and the universe and the world and everything that God made, it would seem that we should be, we would even be feeling more insignificant. So the question is, what is man that you place such value on and you're so careful about of all the things, God, that you would have, you are so, you value us. And so the, the universe reminded him of the majesty of God, the greatness of God, and yet the smallness of man and which made him actually quite humble and quite in awe that God would even know us at all. And this is the one that the Bible, Jesus said, our very hairs are numbered. God has numbered our hairs on our head. Now, some of us are, are the numbers getting smaller, but he nevertheless knows. Okay, I, I'd say secondly on this, that a way that the Psalm should affect my life um, is that 
we probably should worship in awe before our majestic creator. And I think we, I just kind of said that, but it should humble us and cause us to marvel at God's grace and love and caring for us from the beginning of time to the end of time. So our third way that we should, Psalm 8 should shape our lives is that we should treat each person with value and respect as being created in God's image. John Piper said, you cannot worship and glorify the majesty of God while treating His supreme creation with contempt. I think this goes to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And even in the New Testament, the way we treat others is a reflection of how we feel about God Himself. Mm -hmm. We respect Him. We respect His creation. Right. Uh, The fourth thing, I think we should remain firm because of this, against the atrocities of abortion, which treats God's most prized creation as a waste that can be thrown away. Uh, From the point of conception, the only difference between the baby in the mother's womb and you and I is time and nurture that's put into us. To kill children simply because it's inconvenient, to care for them is a horrible sin against God and a sin against humanity itself. That's the next point. We, We must intentionally teach the biblical doctrine of creation and denounce the absurd theory of evolution. Evolution degrades mankind. Creation reveals a God who values mankind above all physical creation and creatures. And evolution puts man on no greater scale than anything else God made. But God put man on a different level. Absolutely. And I think that one of the ways it should affect us is that every one of us, if we have a fear of God and a a recognition of His majesty, that we should, number one, walk in love and also rear our children so that they will love, fear, and serve God. And that that is the only way that will make life count or matter because all of us are significant to God and to eternity itself. Our life here on earth, according to scripture, is just like a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. First John two seventeen says the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So our, we need to teach our children that things that will help them to do the will of God so that they will abide forever rather than pass away like the material things of this world. Our last way is um, we should always remember that God loves humankind so much that He manifested Himself in flesh to become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. There's a song that says, He became like us so that we could become more like Him. And that's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. And he all, the Bible tells us all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily. Jesus Christ was not a little God. He was not a second God. He was the God manifest in flesh. And uh, it was God robing himself in human form and flesh 
to offer his sinless life as a sacrifice for sinners and their sin so that we could be like him. There's an old song written in 1921 by William E. Booth Clibbert, and it's a song uh, the apostolic Pentecostal circles know well. It's called Down From His Glory. But we're not the only ones, the exclusive ones to sing this. Other um, groups do too. And uh, But it's a beautiful song. And um, just the words of it are, I think, very fitting with this song. Down from his glory, ever living story, our God and Savior came and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. And listen to this verse. What condescension bringing us redemption that in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight, God, gracious tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. And then the third verse, without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice at Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. And then those, the writer wrote in the chorus, Oh, how I love him, how I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. And you already mentioned um, scripture where it speaks of hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus showed us how the love of God, how God himself would act as a human being toward other human beings. And Jesus did that. And he, we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for his brother. A respect and awe of God causes us to respect and awe his creatures and especially his supreme creation, man. And yet God who values us so much was willing to pay the ultimate price to give us a chance at eternal life, salvation, uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an awesome act of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And of course, in John chapter three, they were the subject line was being born again. And John 3.16 was actually speaking about what Jesus Christ had to do to make the new birth possible for us. And we see that carried out in the book of Acts when men were repented of their sins, were water baptized in Jesus' name and received the spirit. And when we see that, that was the new birth taking place, a divine birth. And that really is the culmination of what we can do as a result of the grace and love of the almighty God. And the very fact that we can be born again of water and the spirit, according to John 3, 5, is certainly evidence of how much God does care for us and love us. 